Today, God's word for us comes from Colossians chapter 3. Last week, we started chapter 3, and uh, this week, we get to dig into some of the more difficult parts of that chapter. Uh, God is telling us through Paul what not to do, to things that we need to remove from our life. Next week, we talk about more of the positive, the things that God wants to add into our lives. But today, before we can add anything, we have to subtract. And this is a very personal personal message for me personally I said personally a lot let's dig into the text Colossians chapter 3 put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry on account of these the wrath of God is coming in these you too once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Today, God's message really focuses on two specific things sexual sins and wicked words and as i said this is a this is a text that really resounds for me far too many years i was held captive by an unhealthy relationship with pornography it allowed i allowed it to rob so much life from me it twisted my understanding of love It stripped away relationships to just be empty. It infected and reduced my relationship with God, and it it limited my understanding of his law and of his gospel. And I withdrew from him because I didn't feel good enough to be in his presence. And I didn't understand his grace. I felt like my entire life was just wrapped up in just a hopeless, disgusting mess. But 14 years ago, God led me into a life of recovery. He freed me. He he removed that that hopeless mess off of me, and he, he dressed me in a new identity in Christ. I know so full well the need to put to death sexual sins. To put away wicked words. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who struggled with either sexual sins or evil things coming out of your mouth. The Colossians knew these things very, very well. They are, they are fresh Christians, right? They are, they are new to the faith and they've lived this lifestyle of the, church, of the people in Colossae, which was, was very, very sensual and very over the top. And Paul is reminding them, don't go back there. You need to stay new, take off the old, put it to death, and put on new. Put on the image of Christ. The list that Paul gives the Colossians, that first list, has to do with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. He moves from last week thinking about putting our minds, fixing our minds on things above, and and he says, keep your heads there. Don't fixate on these earthly things. 
these carnal things. And then put away these wicked words. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. And if that's what the world was like almost 2,000 years ago, it, it hasn't changed much. The world is filled with sensuality. The world is filled with vulgar language. Language that tears down, language that debates, language that argues, language that divides instead of language that heals. Politicians slander each other all the time. We do it ourselves. Media, you can't turn it on without something dark in it. Sex sells. And we're so desensitized to it. I, I, I remember... It's everywhere. And we just think it's common and ordinary and normal and not hurting anybody else. Humanity's fallen nature longs to seek earthly things, to get that instant gratification, to feel good at least for a short time. But it destroys. What it promises to give you, it never does. It only leads to death. And the, the sad thing is, is, is sexuality is such an amazing gift from God. Such an incredible expression of, of two becoming one. And what the enemy loves to do, instead of just taking it away entirely, taking that blessing away entirely, what he does is he twists it just enough so that the natural tendencies that God gave us are misused. And when they're misused, instead of building up intimacy in a marriage, it tears it apart. It empties it of love. And it fills it with pain. The negative impact of sexual sins are just, they're almost too many to count. Adultery, broken marriages, sex trafficking, rape, abortion, divorce, erosion of the family, a lack of intimacy and love and trust, and a total misunderstanding of what love truly is. And wicked words are no better. Words that tear down other people, that, that are, are destructive in relationships, that are toxic and poison. And I love sarcasm, but it's not funny. It just hurts. Would you just take a moment right now and take stock in your life? The stuff that you feed yourself a steady diet of media-wise, sexually, sexual content, the words that come out of your mouth. How are you doing? Paul wants you to know you are, you are so incredibly special and set apart for an incredible purpose. You are made new. God has declared you righteous. Now start living like it. Let your lifestyle show and reflect changes. Let what you believe, what you set your mind to, start to affect and impact your lifestyle. Right? Last week we talked about what it is you believe. This week it's what you believe and how it shifts what you do and how you live. 
what does God say about sexual sins and wicked words? Paul, being moved by God, urged the Colossians to stop living in their former way of life. To put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. These are God's words. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness. This is all idolatry. The sinful nation nature is put to death in the waters of our baptism, daily remembrance of baptism, and in confession. He says, put to death. This is strong language. It's not, ease out of it. Just reduce it. Do a little bit better than the guy next to you. These aspects of our life must die. If not, Paul says, the wrath of God is coming. This is not like a slap on the wrist kind of moment. This is, this is revelation type stuff. This is end of times type stuff. God's wrath is coming. Either the earthly things in our lives must die or we will. James puts it really well in the first chapter of his book, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. This verse gets me. Then desire, when it, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Paul writes, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, it's important for you to know, please hear this clearly, that God's wrath is what we call his alien will. It's not something that he delights in, that he takes pleasure in. But because he is just and demands justice, it breaks his heart, but the wrath must come. See, his desire, his greatest desire in all the world is that all would come to a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. That is his primary will. But for those who are in Christ, here's the good news. We cannot, we cannot just simply not have the wrath of God. But through Christ, we can survive it. I've shared this illustration with, with many of you before, but I, I love it because in my mind, it just, it just captures this point that I'm about to drive home. Uh, I grew up in southern Kansas. Uh, we learn our, our history books are, are filled from, for Kansas history about, about prairie fires. And prairie fires were one of the most destructive events uh, in, in Kansas during the time of, of settlers. And so if a prairie fire was coming behind you, it was driven by wind. And if you were headed this direction, prairie fire is back there and moving this direction, then you have one chance of survival. Because if you tried to go this way, it's too big. And if you try to go this way, it's too big. And if you try to go this way, you're not faster than the wind. The fire will eventually catch up to you. So what they discovered that they could do is they could set a controlled fire in front of them so that they've got a fire in back and a fire in front of them, and the fire in front of them, the wind would take and push forward, leaving a scorched area of black earth. And then they would move the entire wagon train into that scorched black earth so that when the prairie fire came from behind, it would hit that scorched earth part and there was no more, no more substance to be burned. And so the fire would effectively go around them, leaving them safe, standing where the fire had already burned. When you stand in the shadow of the cross, 
You are standing where the fire of God's wrath has already burned. Jesus Christ, when he hung on that cross, the wrath of God in all its fullness consumed him because of all of our sin. Our sin has already been consumed. When you stand before God in the shadow of the cross, there is nothing left to condemn. All of the sins that you continue to do, there are nothing left to condemn because the sins you do today, the sins you do tomorrow, have already been consumed on the cross. You are safe because Jesus has received that wrath in your place out of his great love and compassion for you, did not want you to be burned, but to stand someplace safe in the shadow of the cross and be spared. God's grace is not that he says, I know you've sinned, I know you continue to sin, I know you struggle with sexual sins, I know you struggle with wicked words, it's okay. You're not as bad as Tyke. Usually I say you're not as bad as Nikki, but I figured I'm in a good mood today. No, the sins that we commit, they build up an enormous cost. And that cost just isn't just wiped clean. That cost is paid for, not with gold or silver, but with the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. So here's what that means for you. The implication of what God's word speaks to us today through Paul, this is what it means for you. See, what comes naturally to our fallen, broken, sinful nature must be continually, every day, replaced with our new identity in Christ to take off the old, tattered rags of our, our pain and our, our sin and to receive his righteous robes, to be dressed in Christ. Every day, every day, when you touch, smell, taste, see, hear, water, Remember that you are a baptized child of God, that your old selves have been drowned in those waters and your new selves have, have risen out, that we, are, we, are, we are, are dead to our sin in our baptism and risen out to share resurrection of his own. Every day, remember this, every single day, that you are washed clean, you are made new, you are declared innocent. We have to be transformed by the image of Christ by putting off our old habits of sin and living out this new nature, the identity received in Christ and in the body of Christ. In the 12 steps of AA, there's uh, the sixth step. And step six is that we are entirely ready, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven is actually asking God to remove them. But step six, we just, I just want to be willing. Can you be willing? Be willing to have God remove the evil and the sin in your life. The things you continue to do, the things you continue to say. Can you be willing to put those sexual sins to death and to put those wicked words away? Christ followers, we have been made new. And it's time to, to act like it, to put to death impurity, greed, and anger along with, with all the old ways, to be alive in Christ. He has declared us to be new, so now we start living like it. 
as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's incredible to see and to watch. And, and I've been, been here now for just over three years. And, and to see relationships that I've made and to see, especially some of the, the, the men that I spend time with, to see them grow in their faith, to see them stretch and, and, and develop their character and their qualities to be more and more Christ-like. That growth is so enriching to see. And for some, it's in big bursts. Of growth and others it's slow and steady and and consistent and regardless of, of what that growth is it's the growth that's important to not just be stagnant in who we are because I can guarantee you there's not a person in this room who's got life all figured out there's not a person in this room that is free from sin there's not a person aside from Christ there's not a person in this room who will not daily make mistakes but there are people in this room who are totally set free, that their sin has been pardoned, that God's grace and mercy has washed away, that he makes you new. And about our community, the community of, of St. Luke's and how we function in this world, here's how that can work out. This, this whole idea of, of leaving a way of life and starting something new can be difficult to imagine. And I think of, of Paul's line to the church in Corinth that he said, we are, not, we are in the world, we have to be a part of the world, but we are not of the world. This is not our home. We are not citizens of the United States. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But we live here for now. So how do we do that well? Well, we can, we can fall in a line of thinking that just says, be nice, don't judge anybody. Um, let everything and everyone determine what's right or what's wrong all on their own. That's, that's their business, not mine. Or you can say, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. If it feels good, then it must be right. Or you can swing to the side of the law and say that, that we are rule-driven and we practice self-denial to the extreme. Absolutely none of these is what Jesus calls us to do. Rather, the walk of Jesus, to walk with Jesus is this joyful freedom that we have, that, that, that we know that we've been set free from the burden of sin. Not that we stop sinning, but that we're free from any cost of it in our lives, especially eternally. We have, we have nothing that God holds over our head. So we can live free and joyfully do what God desires us to do. We strive to walk in his ways. We delight in his will in a grace-filled relationship. Walking together in Christ, we have, we have so many blessings. I want to highlight three as we wrap up this morning. We have accountability, encouragement, and example. If you struggle with having negative words come out of your mouth, then I want you to practice these three things this week. Accountability, encouragement, and example. Accountability. I'll give you just a quick example of what that could look like. And, and this, is, this is a message for, for the moms and dads in the room today. If you have kids who are growing up with technology, Siri wanted to have a conversation with me. 
If you have, if you have kids in the family who, who have technology and they're growing up with technology and every kid is just growing up with technology, that's, just, that's, that's what's happening today. There is such an incredible responsibility, moms and dads, to make sure that your kids are walking in integrity as they're online because it is so easy, especially from a sexual sin standpoint, to fall into that. And once you fall into it, it is a difficult struggle to get out of. And those of you who struggle in this room, you understand what I'm talking about. Because I don't pretend that just because you come to church doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sexual sin. I know. So here's what you can do about it. Moms and dads, equip your kids on their online devices with accountability software. I'm not talking about like just filters, and, but something that monitors. I love Covenant Eyes. I use Covenant Eyes, covenanteyes.com. I don't get paid for that. But it pays me in, in, in strong accountability. And moms and dads, I, I, here's my challenge to you. Don't just set it up for your kids. Especially if they're getting into middle school and high school. They're going to start to rebel. They're not going to like the fact that you've got a monitor on what they're looking at online. But here's what you do about it. And this increases your own accountability as well. Say, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so son or daughter, I'm going to put it on my equipment as well. And I'm going to forward my accountability report to you. So that we hold each other accountable. And this isn't about... about uh, about big brother or about me wanting to control your life. This is about us letting iron sharpen iron and let's be the best men that we can be. Let's be the best women of integrity that we can be together. Accountability is so incredibly important. To use words in positive ways. So there's accountability and then there's encouragement. Encouragement. I want everybody in this room, no matter the age, to think about something positive that they can say to every person in their family today. That's a, that's a goal for today. Say one, at least one positive thing to every member of your family today. And start practicing that on a regular basis. One way that I love to do that, uh, whether I'm at home or at work or wherever, if I see something that someone does that's extraordinary... I let them know. I used to really struggle with that because I felt like if I complimented somebody else, it meant there was a, that deficit was in me. I know that's not really logical thinking, but that's what entered into my, my crazy messed up head. But what I found out was when I, can, when I can point out and acknowledge someone else's strength, the relationship builds. I feel good. They feel good. Say something positive. It's amazing how powerful positive words can be. And then finally, example. That when you, the, the words that you say and the way that you say it, along with the, the things that you do because of your faith changing your lifestyle, let other people see it. Let other people yearn for it. Be the example that somebody else needs to see. Take these words to heart today. I know there's people in the room who are struggling sexually. I know there's people in this room who struggle with, with words. God's invitation to you today is to say, let me take those away from you. Let me take them away. 
and let me give you something so much better. Let me give you my son. In just a few moments, we're going to receive Jesus, his body and his blood in, with, and under this bread and this wine. As you receive it today, I want you in your mind to take off things of this world and to receive things that are above. Receive Christ, receive his love, receive his forgiveness, receive his life. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we love you for loving us even in the middle of all our sin. God, the things that we do and the things that are in our mind are so broken. And try as we might, sometimes we just feel locked in, unable to change. God, I pray for miracles today. I pray for hearts that are willing to have you step into their lives and make some changes. God, for those who are struggling, don't let them struggle alone. Let them know they have a, a friend here, a safe place here. Let them know that they are loved by you, that because of Jesus and his incredible sacrifice made on the cross, that when we stand in the shadow of that cross, we fear nothing of your wrath but just encounter the joy of the life that you offer us. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.